I believe your son is the promised king of his people. What is his name? His name is Jesus. Jesus will now read from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to declare freedom for the captive and recovery of sight for the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, gospel when Jesus was in the synagogue that day and he read from the prophet Isaiah which talks about the anointed one, the promised one that was to come and all he was going to do and then Jesus said today this scripture is fulfilled. He was making a very bold statement without any hesitation or apology Jesus was saying this is who I am. He knew who he was, why he was here, what his purpose was, his mission in life. There was no ambiguity about it. Wouldn't it be great if each of us really understood who we are, really understood why we live, why we exist, why we're here, what our mission in life is, what our purpose in life is? Wouldn't that be a grand thing if all of us knew that and the people we care about, our children, grandchildren, our best friends, all knew who they really were in Christ 
why they exist, what their purpose and mission in life was. It would change the world. Unfortunately, too many people kind of wander through life, some aimlessly, some without any clear direction, any real sense of why they exist and what God wants to do through them to make a difference in this world. Um, how many of you have with you today a, a smartphone? Okay, you have your device. You got you have one of those? You know what's really interesting? You ever go out to eat and you see families sitting at a table and nobody's looking at each other <laughs> because they're all, they all have their heads down looking at this? You ever see that? You, know, you, you drive on the highway and... Uh, Sometimes you see people with this up doing things on the highway, right? By the way, if you travel in Georgia, it's now illegal to hold a phone in your hand at any point you're driving. So be careful. You're forewarned, okay? Um, really, really interesting. Honolulu, beautiful city. If you've ever been there, it's a beautiful city. Recently passed an ordinance, a law in that, in that city that it's illegal for you to cross the street, okay, you're walking, you're a pedestrian, illegal for you to cross the street while looking at your smartphone. You would think they would not need to do that, but apparently uh, is a need. And uh, other cities are now looking at a similar ordinance over in, in Austria, in uh, Salzburg. They, they have, listen to this, this is interesting, they have more people injured, more pedestrians injured on their streets walking while looking at their cell phones than any other way. 40% of all pedestrian injuries happen that way. More than people riding mopeds, bicycles, because in Europe a lot of bicycles are on the roads. Um, automobile accidents, more people injured walking on the sidewalks with one of these bumping into lampposts. <laughs> they, could, they couldn't solve the problem. So what they did was what you see on the screen there, they put these uh, massive airbags around all the, the lampposts on the sidewalks. <laughs> and uh, the, 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 the writing there, roughly translated, I thought this was kind of cute, says, will the next car also be so well padded? And unfortunately, that's, that's, you know, that's a picture of how a lot of people live. We just go through life with our heads down not really seeing what's in front of us, determining where we're going, why we're going there. Just, you know, blindly walking through life year after year, decade after de decade, distracted by this, distracted by that. That's not how Jesus lived. Jesus had his eyes up and he looked ahead. He knew who he was and where he was going and why he was going there. And that's how he wants you to live. He wants you to know who you are and what your mission, your purpose in life is. And so in this sermon series, The Son of God, we're looking at Jesus, wanting to learn about Jesus and the implications of what we learn about him for us. And so every week we're looking at a clip from the movie, The Son of God, and then looking at the biblical text on which that scene is based and saying, all right, what does that tell us about Jesus, who he was, who he is, and how does that apply to us? What does it mean for our lives? So last week we looked at not only is he the son of God, but the, the title he was referred to more than any other in the Gospels is son of man. His humanity as well as his deity, the promised Messiah, and as such he is the one who is authorized, has the ability to forgive our sins and no one else does. This week I want us to focus on Jesus as the anointed one. 
And as such, he had a particular mission, purpose in life. And because you and I, if we have him in our lives, have a relationship with him, we are a certain person and we have a certain mission and purpose in life as well. It's tied to him. We'll talk about that. We'll unfold that, unpack that, if you will, as we go through this. But take your Bible, whether it's the printed copy or an electronic copy, and I want you to open your Bible with me to the Gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke in your New Testament, so the third book in the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. That's where the story you saw depicted in the video clip is recorded. Now, Jesus is in the early days of his ministry, his public ministry. He's recently been baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist, in the Jordan River. Following the baptism, he spent 40 days in the wilderness alone with God preparing for his public ministry and while there was also tested and tempted by Satan. So now he's out of the wilderness. He's starting his public ministry. And one of the first places he goes to is Nazareth, the town where he grew up as a boy and a teenager where his mom and brothers still lived. And so he's in Nazareth, and and the story picks up in chapter 4 in verse 16. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath. In other words, the habit, the routine, the custom of Jesus was on the Sabbath on Saturday morning, he went to this Jewish synagogue to worship. It'd be today, like on Sunday, the Lord's Day, he would go to church wasn't something he did haphazardly. It was his custom. It was his routine. It's what he did. And any follower of Jesus is going to follow his example. It was a priority. And so he goes to the, uh, the synagogue, and at the end of verse 16, he stood up to read, and the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And then, then he took it, and he opened that scroll and found the place where it was written. In other words, he chose the passage he was going to read. And he chose it for a reason. Here's what it says in in Isaiah. It's chapter 61 in Isaiah, by the way. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus reads, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now remember in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, blessed are the poor in spirit, For theirs is the kingdom of heaven, not just those who are physically poor, it includes those, but also those who are spiritually poor, emotionally poor, relationally poor, those who are needy and and, and, and humble and and so on in any, any way of life. Preach the gospel, the good news to them. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captive. People are enslaved by many things. Some of you are struggling with captivity to habits and addictions and Patterns from the past. We become captives, if you will, slaves to sin and to choices and decisions. Recovery of sight to the blind. Jesus healed the physically blind, and that's part of this, but people are spiritually blind. People are blind when it comes to to how to live a, a meaningful and effective life. How to, how to make relationships work. To set free those who are oppressed. People can be oppressed in so many ways. A powerful person can oppress someone else. A government can oppress people. Tyrants oppress people. 
sin oppresses. Some are oppressed by their past. Just beaten down all the time because of it. Jesus says, I want to set them free. And to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. We'll talk more about that in a moment. Now look at verse 20. The Bible says that he closed the book, the scroll of Isaiah. He closed it, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And all the eyes in the synagogue were fixed on him. The reason that he sat down, remember he had stood up to read. The reason he sat down was in Jewish culture, when a rabbi would teach, he would sit down. Some of you have seen pastors, and sometimes I'll do it, not often, but occasionally bring a chair out, and they'll sit down and teach. They're actually doing what Jesus did, what, what rabbis in Israel did. You remember in the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, it says in verse 1, and he sat down. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And then in verse 2, he opened his mouth and began teach them, saying, and then he went on with the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus on the mountain is sitting down to teach because that was the culture of their day. There was another occasion when there was this large crowd pressing in and Jesus got in a boat and he had the disciples push it from the shore out into the water and then he sat down in the boat and he taught. Because everybody knew when a rabbi would sit down, he was getting ready to teach, so be quiet, pay attention, you're going to learn something. You're going to hear from God. So he's standing to read the scripture and then he sits down to do the teaching and everyone's listening. Now we're not told what his whole sermon or lesson was. All we're told is that one part, that most important part in verse 21 when he said, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus saying that he is the fulfillment of what Isaiah the prophet was saying in chapter 61 of Isaiah, that he is the anointed one they had been looking for. And, and what Jesus is doing by reading these verses, he said, you want to know who I am and, and what my mission in life is, what I'm going to do? It's this. I'm, I'm the anointed one of God, the promised one you've been looking for, and I'm going to change people's lives. I'm going to give sight to people who are blind in so many ways. I'm going to free those who are captive to so many things. I'm going to heal those who are oppressed by so many things. I'm going to change lives both in the here and now and for eternity. I'm going to bless people physically. And I'm going to bless people even more spiritually. I'm going to give them meaningful life, an abundant life for a few decades here, and then eternal life forever in heaven. His mission, his purpose was clear. And in these verses, I mean, here he's starting his, his, starting his ministry. It's not an accident. It's intentional that at the very beginning in his hometown, Jesus says, this is me. and This is what I'm going to do. He painted a picture, if you will, of how he was going to operate. He painted a picture of how his kingdom would function. It's interesting, in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, Moses, that great Hebrew leader, told the people centuries, centuries before Jesus that one day in the future, God would raise up another prophet from among them 
who would be similar to Moses. And in Acts chapter 7, we're told that Jesus is that prophet. Jesus is the one Moses had talked about centuries earlier that God would raise up from among the Jewish people. That great prophet. What's the similarities between Moses and Jesus? Moses was sent by God to the Jewish people in Egypt where for four centuries they had been oppressed. For four centuries they had been slaves. For four centuries their life had been hard. And God sent Moses, a great prophet, and he used him. And Moses was the instrument God used to lead them to freedom to the promised land. It was Moses God brought up on the mountain and and, and, and and in holiness God gave to Moses not only the Ten Commandments but the law, the Torah, the Pentateuch, the Word of God, the first five books of the Old Testament. And here comes Jesus who says, I'm going to free you I'm going to heal you. I'm going to bless you. And not only does he give us the word of God, John says he is the word of God. Jesus knew who he was and what his mission in life was, and he he got about it. And here's the thing. Because we are his followers we don't have to go through life wondering what our mission is. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you've come to that place where you said, Jesus, forgive me, save me, and I surrender to you, I commit myself to you, I'm going to follow you, I give myself to you, and you became a child of God, you you became a follower of Jesus Christ, and that moment everything changed for you. Even if you don't fully grasp it, You've been freed from sin and its eternal consequences. You are able to live differently if you choose to because the power of God, the presence of God is in your life. You've been cleansed. You see the world differently than most people do because you see it through spiritual eyes, through his eyes. And your life, your life not only is blessed for a few years here, but it's secure forever with him when it will be perfect. Why are you here? What's your mission in life? What's your reason for being? Well, as a follower of Jesus Christ, it's tied his because we follow him his priorities become our priorities his purpose becomes our purpose and here's the thing you and I as followers of Jesus can live for something so much more important than just ourselves so too many people go through life with their head down, and all they see is themselves and those people and things closest to them, not caring about much of anything else. And God says, because you are a follower of Jesus, you can live for something bigger, something with so much more 
consequence than just self. Taking care of yourself and your own. So much more. There was a couple in uh, New Jersey. Back in the late 60s and early 70s, they became really worried about all going on in the world and riots and, and, and the future. And so they, 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 they were worried about doomsday and, you know, apocalyptic events. And so they wanted to prepare for that. And you know how you, every now and then you'll hear stories about people like that and they want to hunker down. And so down in their basement, they basically built a shelter, a, you know, a bunker. And they had, you know, they had bunk beds in there and they had, you know, generators and medicine and, 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 kitchen and bathroom and, and, and all this survivalist gear. And, and they had, uh, I think it was 80, 80 barrels of food, enough to take care of the two of them for 15 years. And so decade after decade, through the 70s, through the 80s, through the 90s, the first decade of the 2000s, and through this decade, they just hunkered down and hunkered down and bought and supplied and stored and got ready for the apocalypse and, 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 and that horrible doomsday that was going to come. And then in their 70s, his beloved wife died. And he was all alone. Can you imagine living like that? And after she died, he met a he met another couple. And they befriended him. And they were they were raising resources to help with disaster relief, if you will, in in Puerto Rico because what was it? Uh, fall, not quite two years ago, Puerto Rico suffered that category five hurricane, massive destruction, loss of life. And so they were they were raising resources to help. Uh, with relief for the for the people suffering in Puerto Rico, and in time through that relationship, you know what he did? He gave all that food to the people of Puerto Rico, and now look at him. He doesn't look like he's hunkered down and worried, does he? Get that smile on his face. See, when you lift your eyes and you live for something bigger than just you. It changes you. You you can't have that as all if all you care about is yourself. You you can't have that if all you care about is just the things real close to you. Brothers and sisters, we need to live and and and, and if need be die and sacrifice and serve for something bigger than me, bigger than us. That's what Jesus did. And because we're his, we, we can't separate who we are and why we're here from who he was and what he did. So just real quick, three takeaways. You ready? Jesus' mission determines our mission. It's real simple. Jesus' mission determines our mission. See, Jesus was about making lives better, both now and in eternity, physically and spiritually. And in verse 19 in chapter 4, when he said he came to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, let me tell you what that's talking about. 
It's an illusion. The favorable year of the Lord is an illusion to the Old Testament teaching about the year of Jubilee. Now, the year of Jubilee is something that there is no record of the Jewish people having ever actually practiced. But it's in the Scriptures, in the book of Deuteronomy, something God wanted them to do. No record they ever did it, but God wanted them to do it. Let me explain the year of Jubilee, because this is, this is Jesus using a beautiful poetic way of describing what he's doing for people and then what we're supposed to do. You know how the Jewish people and, and, and even us would every seven days, yet on the seventh day they would have the Sabbath and worship on Saturday. Every seventh day was the Sabbath, and for us it's the Lord's Day every seventh day, every you know, Sunday. And then they also have what was called, um, think of it as an, as, as an annual a yearly Sabbath. That happened every seven years. So on every seventh year, the Jewish nation was supposed to let the land rest. That meant they weren't supposed to plant crops that year. Prepare for it and let the, 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 the soil replenish itself. If you have any familiarity with farming, you have to replenish because you'll take all the nutrients out. And, and years ago when I was a kid, we'd do that by, by alternating where we would plant what crops and so on. And then not only did they have the weekly Sabbath and the, the, the yearly Sabbath, in other words, the every seventh year, but they also had this year of Jubilee and what it was, the seventh yearly one. So in other words, after seven sevens on the year after that, on the 50th year. So the year of Jubilee was every 50 years. And on that year, anybody who had lost their property because of debt and other issues, was supposed to get it back. Anybody who was a prisoner, who was in debt, who had become a slave somehow, was to be freed. It was a year of forgiveness, a year of starting over, a, a, a year of fresh beginnings, a, a, a year of new. Now, again, no evidence they ever did it, but God talked about it. And what Jesus is saying, hey, folks, hey, folks, listen, you might never have experienced that, but I'm here so you can. I'm here so you can be freed from the guilt of sin, the bondage of death, the tyranny of your past. I'm here to give you something better. What does that have to do with you and me? That's what he wants us to do for people. Why do you think Jesus said, forgive those who sin against you? Why do you think Jesus taught us to be generous? Why did Jesus say we are to serve why did he say turn the other cheek why did he say go the second mile why, why did he say take the gospel to every nation and to every people group and to every individual because he he came proclaiming the gospel and and blessing people and he says as my followers your mission is determined by my mission and therefore your mission is to bless this world and to bless the people in it Take the gospel to them. Love them. Serve them. Help them. 
bless them. His mission determines our mission. You see, our mission as a follower of Jesus is not simply to show up at church on Sunday. Our our, our mission is not simply to be good people. Our, Our mission is to make a difference, to have an impact, to change lives. But there's a second takeaway real quick. Not only does his mission determine our mission, but his method determines our method. What was Jesus' method? He loved people. Pure and simple. He loved people. Now, some of the Jewish people that he was teaching in his day and time, some of them didn't like the Romans, some of them didn't like Gentiles, some of them didn't like the Samaritans who were a mixed race, part Jew, part Gentile. They just didn't like those people. And Jesus loved all of them. Jesus served all of them. Jesus healed all of them. Jesus proclaimed the gospel to all of them. Jesus just said, go and love everybody. Didn't he? That's our, that's our method. That's, we, we, we're just supposed to do it the way he, he did it. And uh, lastly, Jesus view of success is determined is to determine our view of success how, how do we measure if we're being effective how do we measure if we're, we're being successful as followers of jesus a lot of times i think we measure the wrong things so we're in chapter 7 of luke if you still have your bible open luke chapter 4 is where jesus is reading this over in chapter 7 john the baptist is arrested and the video clip you know, the, the ra- that rabbi shouted at Jesus that John had been executed. Well, that's not totally accurate. John would be executed, but he was not executed at the time this story takes place. It happened a little bit later, but he'd been arrested already, okay? And so John's arrested, and he knows death is imminent, and he sends two of his disciples to Jesus, okay? Luke chapter 7, verse 19 Summoning two of his disciples, John sent them to the Lord saying, Are you the expected one or do we look for someone else? Now, John's getting ready to die. He just, you know, in that last moment, maybe a little bit of doubt, Jesus, I just want to make certain. Are you him? And verse 20, the men came to to Jesus. John's disciples came to Jesus. They said to him, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, Are you the expected one or do we look for someone else? And at that very time, in verse 21, he, Jesus, cured many people of disease and afflictions and evil spirits, and he gave sight to many who were blind. Then in verse 22, he answered and said to him, Jesus said to John's two disciples, Go and tell, go and report to John, go tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Now, does that sound a little bit like what Jesus had said in that synagogue when he first started his ministry in Luke chapter 4, that his mission in life was to change lives? Does that sound like Jesus, does that sound like the same thing? You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying to these two disciples of John, you go back and tell John what you've seen. And what have you seen? Lives changed. What have you seen? The very thing I said I was going to do when I started my ministry is the very thing I am doing. How did Jesus measure success? People's lives being changed. Pure and simple. People's lives being changed. 
And what, is it, what does it mean to go to church your whole life and never be used of God to impact somebody else? What good is, in, is there in being religious but, but not being used of God to make a difference? Jesus says, you're, you're mine. You're my people. Do like I did. Make a difference. Love, serve, heal, proclaim, share, make a difference. Impact lives. Impact this world. Uh, two Decembers ago. By the way, how many of you, how many of you have ever flown through the Atlanta airport? Weren't you glad to get out? One of the busiest airports in the world. <laughs> Two Decembers ago, they had a, a there was a major blackout, power failure. An airport shut down. Every flight canceled overnight. It was a madhouse. Having to get people hotels if they could. Most of them stayed in the airport. Feed them all. No electricity. The mayor in that emergency got on the phone. You know what the mayor did? The mayor got on the phone and called Chick-fil-A. Headquartered in Atlanta. Now, I apologize for making you hungry because you can't go get a Chick-fil-A sandwich today, can you? But he called Chick-fil-A. Now, Chick-fil-A's closed on Sundays, right? Guess when the airport had that power failure? On a Sunday. He calls Chick-fil-A. What does Chick-fil-A do? Oh, we've got all these rules. It's our policy. We can't open on Sunday. Sorry. Is that what they did? You know what Chick-fil-A did? They called in all of their resources, all of their personnel in the Atlanta area, and they fed that Sunday everybody in the Atlanta airport. You see, the people matter more than the rules. Some people need to get that through their thick skull. Because being religion, religious without changing somebody's life is hypocritical. Have I made the point? Jesus, the anointing one, blessing people, blessing people, changing lives here on earth and in heaven. What, what does he want us to do? Why, why am I here? I'm not just here to have a job. I'm not just here to raise a family. I'm not here just to have a family, you know, a house or a career. I'm, I'm not just here to watch sports. I'm not here just to do this and that. I'm here to make a difference in Jesus' name, and so are you. That's it. And we can do that a lot of different ways. Thank God we don't all do it the same way. But make a difference, brothers and sisters. Be an instrument God uses in his kingdom to bless people. Can you give God a hand for letting us be part of that?